May the force of others be with you. Trade that necklace for a glimpse into your future. Yes, I'm speaking to you. I'm Chira Inwin. How did you know I was wearing a necklace? Well, that answer you must pay. What do you know about Kyber crystals? My father, he... He said they powered the Jedi's lightsabers. Jin, come on, let's go. The strongest stars have hearts of Kyber. Let's go. We're not here to make friends. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. everyone and welcome back to another exciting episode of the wampas lair podcast this is episode number 424 rogue one score i'm as always one of your hosts jason hunt and with me the cassian andor and Jin urso to my cheer at imway we've got carl leclerc and jim capron <laughs> what a perfect combination i mean let's do this the the intro wrote itself today. Uh, mm. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> huh, I'm excited to continue musical May. Looking at our next, uh, looking at another anthology movie. Obviously, we looked at the the deluxe solo music score last week. So excited to talk about Rogue One on t- this week's episode. And you can't talk Rogue One without Jim Urso. Uh, no, no, not not around here, anyways. <laughs> Well, it's great to be back. It's always a pleasure to come on here and talk about Rogue One. I think uh, some of your listeners might know I have quite a bit of affection for this film, as I've expressed on previous podcasts. So very excited to dive into this discussion tonight, for sure. (laughs) Awesome. We're excited to be having it with you. Um, Mm -hmm. So we are going to, of course, look at uh, just some of the tracks that really stand out on the Rogue One score, why we think they're so fun, what we like about them, how they kind of enhance the story. Um, Of course, the Rogue One score composed and conducted by Mr. Michael Giacchino, who is just unbelievable. I mean, the music he makes and I'm of the opinion that he's the next John Williams. Um, in a lot of ways, the mu- the musical scores he's done in so many different avenues of film are just so good. Um, so it's really cool to hear what he did for this movie. Yeah, no, I I'm uh, I I would agree with you on that. He is definitely the next generation of uh, composers, like you know, in the style of John Williams. There's there's no one can match John Williams because he's 100 percent unique, but. There's a, there's definitely something to be said to watching what Giacchino does in his future career. 
Absolutely. Um, but before we get into our discussion on the Rogue One score, we had a matchup last week that, that Jason came up with that was uh, – I was hoping to be a little closer, but that's all right. Uh, it's the Battle of the Bees. We had Bays versus Beckett. And Jason, what did the Larians have to say about this particular matchup? Oh, man. This was uh, – I, I honestly thought it was going to be a closer matchup as well. But the Larians uh, definitely came down uh, in – support of one over the other and that would be bays bays ended up with 63 votes while beckett only got 27 so i was a little surprised at how one-sided that ended up being but i'm curious to know uh jim where do you fall on this matchup Ooh, that's a pretty tight matchup but i think i would probably give it to base just because i i just don't see beckett getting past that insane gun <laughs> you know he could just do like a, a sp- fire like a spray style and he's got all the bases covered you know it's hard to get past that if i i mean beckett would have a chance he would definitely have a chance but i think i would have to give it to base carl i'm going with beckett um and the reason I'm going with Beckett, I think actually when i was thinking about it i was like all right these are two different classes of fighters to me this is like Rocky versus Ivan Drago and Rocky is Beckett and Ivan Drago is Bays. And I say that because Bays has had like a lifelong ability to train formally for combat. And, you know, he's got all this specific type of training, but Beckett is the everyman. He's the person who had to learn how to fight to survive. Um, and I think, I mean, it, I, I think you could wager that Bays is in more of a survival mode now because <laughs> Jeddah's under Imperial occupation, but Beckett has probably been doing that most of his life. I would say this. For me, if it came down to like a hand-to-hand fight, I think Bays wins every time. But in a blaster fight, I think I give it to Beckett. I give it to the gunslinger over the 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 spray and pray. <laughs> so <laughs> um, That's a fair assessment. Yeah, so I, I think when it comes to a blaster showdown, I, I actually give it to Beckett. I feel like he's a dead eye with those pistols. Um and uh, unless it's unless he's going against Hunt. Oh yeah, well, exactly. Nobody can go. To, nobody can go toe to toe with my boy. So, <laughs> I'm not biased at all. Um, but yeah, I actually. So you know, I actually do. I think I give it to Beckett. But what do you think, Jason? Oh man, I I do have to give it to Bays. However, you know, yes, he does the spray, but um, the first time we saw him use the weapon in Rogue One, you know, Chirrut's out there doing his thing, you know, knocking stormtrooper heads together, and then a whole other platoon shows up, and Baze just mows them all down uh, without hitting his friend, and it's one shot for each of the stormtroopers. Nothing's wasted. Mm. It's a spray, but everything hits. Yeah. So, 100% accuracy. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's impressive. It's very impressive to not only hit all of your targets, but also miss the one that you're, you know, your your friend. So um, he doesn't like to uh, admit it, but I think he's still relying on uh, whatever connection to the force the wills have, like like Chirrut does. Obviously, he's not as devoted to the force as Chirrut, and he doesn't, you know, like to. Uh, think that he believes, but I think he's drawing on whatever connection he might have a little bit uh, anyways. So I'm, I'm going to give it to Bayes just, uh, you know, 
I, I think if we're going to run this contest uh, ten times, Bays wins six out of ten. Um, because right. Beckett's got the dirty, the, the, the dirty underhanded tactics. So whereas Bays is going to be a bit more on the level, but I think that's just because he's got Sheeret keeping him in check. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to give this one to Bays, which gives us a final tally of 65 for Bays Malbus and 28 for Tobias Beckett. Well, wasn't close, but that's all right. No. <laughs> so we'll have a poll for you at the end of uh, the episode this week. That'll obviously be uh, oriented towards Rogue One. So stick around for that. Um, so let's just let's hop right into this. Let's let's start talking Rogue One music. Um, I thought if if you don't mind, I'm going to just take the reins because I kind of divvied up my my picks based on where they appear chronologically in the film. So I'm going to take us to – so if if anybody has something earlier than this, shout out when, when I bring it up. But the first track I was going to um, point out is the track Trust Goes Both Ways, which is when they're leaving for Jetta from Yavin 4. Does anybody have anything earlier than that? Uh, nope. Okay, cool. So in the track Trust Goes Both Ways, um, I want to play specifically – the part when right as they're leaving, we're going to hear Jin's theme kind of soaring, right? As they as they take off, they're on their way for the mission. They're going to go find Galen. They're going to go find these Death Star plants, hopefully, right? So everything is being set into motion now. I feel like, right, the early part of the movie is getting everybody established. And now the mission, if you will, is, is underway. So in this piece of music, we get Jin's theme kind of mimicking the shuttle taking off and it goes into a very familiar theme in Star Wars that you're going to recognize. So, of course, Jin's theme soars into the Force theme, which is like, I just feel like that's so iconic that Giacchino chooses that moment to first use the Force theme in the movie. We get another statement of it later on um, during the Rogue One track, uh, but this is the first statement of it. It's kind of they fly off on their mission to Jeddah. Giacchino is giving us Jin's theme. She soars away. And it gives it kind of just bleeds right into the force theme as if musically he's telling us that this mission they're on they're undertaking is the will of the force itself. They're they're out there doing the will of the force. So musically we're being told that as they they set off on their adventure. Yeah, no, it's it's a beautiful piece. And uh, the the trumpets uh that play the force theme there at the end very much uh sort of a, a I'm hesitant to call it a triumphant statement, but it's a heroic statement mm-hmm. of the Force theme. Um, something is very right about what they're about to do here, and it's telling us that. Um, so, and the Force yeah, and I think it, I was like, just going to say it. It feels very appropriate that it would first play here, 
just because, you know, this, this here, because Jin has agreed to this mission, actually feels like the start of this mission. Like, it doesn't feel like the start of the mission when, say, you know, Jin's being rescued from uh, the Wobani mm-hmm. prison camp. You know, it doesn't feel, um, you know, like the, the mission is starting before then. Here, it feels like she's committed, and this is all, all the elements of the story are now in motion now it can proceed so it does feel really appropriate to to play it here yeah and the the force is really you know uh given a character in the films by the music um and so whenever you hear the force theme it's always good to make note of that yeah (laughs) i I feel so (laughs) yeah i I really like how giacchino kind of practice restraint in this film too i think he only uses the force theme maybe four times and you actually hear it like uh, this time that we just noted here and then you hear it a little bit earlier when baylor Ghana um kind of steps forward to the to the council mm. table yeah and then we get it two more times um actually like pretty close times together later and we might talk about that one too but <laughs> <laughs> yeah Oh, so, but yeah, yeah, it's a great moment of the force theme, and like you said, Carl, I love how it, how Jin's theme crescendos into uh, into the force theme. It's it's excellent. Yeah, and and I think you know in a, in a lot of ways too, it kind of it really grounds the fact that this is Jin's story in a lot of ways, right? I mean, yeah, Rogue mm-hmm. One is the story of this band of kind of unlikely allies coming together, but the, the I would say the emotional anchor. And the character anchor of the story is obviously Jin. So, you know, you go back to, you know, the very first Star Wars movie with A New Hope and Luke staring off into the sunset, right? And getting the Force theme for the for the first time. It's all about this is telling us musically that this is his adventure. So I feel like in this moment, Giacchino is telling us that this this is Jin's adventure. This is her, you know, her journey into becoming... Jin Urso, if you will. So, I mean, she gets her whole obvious character arc in one film as opposed to three for Luke. But, um, yeah, by by connecting those two themes together, I feel like that's what he's doing musically. Yeah, and it, I think it's also appropriate to kind of tag along what you're saying because, I mean, with her being kind of like the heart of the story, like her decisions are so pivotal in driving the story forward. And if she doesn't, like, make these decisions, then the story can't proceed. Like, if she doesn't decide to agree to at least find Saw to figure out what's going on with her father, then this can't go forward. And you're going to see that throughout the film over and over and over again, where all these events are dependent upon what she does. Mm -hmm. So it does make sense that we will get the Force theme here because she is such an integral part of the story her her decisions are so important yeah now i'm going to open it to one of you to take us to our next piece i I realize we don't have to do this chronologically i just went first Mm -hmm. so i apologize so uh (laughs) jim why don't you give us what's 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 the first piece of music you want to go to okay if we're going chronologically i've got one that's not too uh much farther along in the film maybe uh maybe about a third of the way through the film. It's called Stardust. Nice. And this is essentially when, you know, Jen's watching her father's message on Jeddah just about, just as the Death Star is about to strike the planet. And 
I think the music does a really great job of building up this sense of suspense and dread and you know, this, this feeling of oncoming doom from this, you know, utterly destructive event that's about to basically descend upon the city. But I love how the music cuts to this very delicate and tranquil and ethereal tone that creates a feeling of intimacy because it's reminding the audience that amidst all this destruction, like we said, what is really at the heart of the story is Jin's relationship with her father. And this is a very pivotal moment in order for the rest of the story to continue. And, you know, this is, this is a relatively brief sequence. It lasts like maybe a minute, but I really appreciate how the music isn't afraid to take its time and not stuff too much into the sequence. It, it takes time to pause and have moments of silence even. So mm. the audience can reflect on the importance of this moment. And the music's not trying to outshine the writing or the acting performance. You know, it's ultimately just giving you enough to add another layer and, and amplify that emotional connection even more between Jin and Galen. Because I think what Galen is saying in the scene and how Jin is reacting to what he's saying, that's ultimately, you know, what needs to be the focus of the scene. And those are the driving factors in, sh in showing that emotional vulnerability that they have. But I think the music does a really good, good job of not getting in the way of that, but also being able to amplify the emotion at the same time by using that very intimate and tranquil delicate theme especially with the use of the piano you don't really get a lot of that in star wars but mm. i think it's beautifully well done yeah um so I, i'm gonna play that piece because actually this was something i was gonna bring up as well i'm a fool for not thinking that you would have this so uh let's let's <laughs> let's, let's play that piece of music from off of stardust I just love this piece of music so much. And I like the way you really highlighted Jim, how it takes its time and it really does allow this to be a character moment on the screen, right? It's, it's this really intimate moment between Jin and her father. She hasn't seen him in 15 years. Um, and the music really does kind of take a step back to allow uh, the acting to, to really come through. And you know, this, like you pointed out, right? We've never really heard, like a solo piano quite like this in Star Wars music before, but it's so perfect because to me, it also gives this a sense of almost like a lullaby. Um, it's almost as if this, these are the, like, this is a final message from a father to his daughter and it, it creates this lullaby moment. And 
as the music kind of gives way from the piano, you start to get these kind of plucked harp strings as if that this is like, you know, just really highlighting the beauty of this moment and what's going on between these two characters. Um, so yeah, I really love how, how the music is, is so put there to elevate this part of the story as being a very, very intimate moment. And it's very delicate, right? Especially the way that that piano starts by just playing one note at a time. You know, it's it's something so delicate here. Um, You know, as, as Jin becomes incredibly vulnerable for the first time in the, in the movie and just starts to break down watching this message. Um, The music really helps you feel that um, while being so simple and so subdued. Yeah. yeah, I really like what you said about it being almost like a lullaby because, you know, the scenes that, that we see previously in the film that are with Jin and, and Galen are when she is a young, mm-hmm. when she is younger and when she's with him, you get the, you know, the prologue and then you get that one flashback sequence right before they land on Jeddah. So it does feel very appropriate that it would use that kind of tone to kind of bring Jin back and remind her of her, her father and her childhood that you know, showed her so much love to remind her of that. So it, it does feel very appropriate that they would use that, that tone as well mm-hmm. from that regard. Yeah. I mean, and, and just to point out, this is definitely something that is uh, a style of Giacchino. Um, John Williams would not have done this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He would have had some very tender strings, maybe uh, something in the woodwinds, maybe a flute or something, you know. Um, but this this thing is something that is very Giacchino specific uh, that he brought to the sound of Star Wars in this moment, and and I think it works beautifully. Um, so it's a gorgeous little piece, and definitely allows what is happening on screen to shine. Um, so you probably couldn't have had this piece if you didn't have the, the performance from, uh, the actors on, on set, uh, that we got. So kudos to the actors, you know, for that as well. Mm. But yeah, really that, that cohesion between the music and like the emotional active performances and the cinematography and just the phenomenal writing. I mean, this is ultimately my favorite seen in star wars like num- number one at the top so had it had to include it on my list tonight <laughs> um jason where do you want to take us oh man uh well we kicked off the episode with this track so let's just go ahead and and get it out of the way and talk about uh the track that is the title of the movie uh rogue one so And there's another statement of the Force theme in that one. Um, but, yeah, I, I love this track. And we've talked about it several times before, Carl. I don't have a deep reason for loving this track. I really don't. It's just awesome. And it makes you get, it, it, you get pumped up listening to it. And 
Uh, I just it, it just is one of those things. It's a feel good. It's it makes you feel like you're getting ready for something big and exciting. And of course, in the movie, this is the ramp up of you know all of our main characters getting ready to go out on this mission that they really shouldn't be doing, but they're going to do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. So. Uh, this is the determination, the, you know, you know, making sure you got all your equipment, double check your equipment, we're going to fly out of here, you know, that sort of thing. But that's that's what this piece is. And it still has that hint of the force theme telling us that even though they're disobeying orders, this is the right thing to do. Uh, um, so, of course, the force theme plays as we uh, talk to, right, I'm not missing this up. This is when uh, Bale mentions Obi-Wan, right? Yep, yep, that's right. Yep, okay. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Okay, good. I was like, oh my god, I was about to say something and then I for- I was like, oh, I'm- did I miss that up? No. Okay, good. But yes, we you know, we get that mention of Obi-Wan with the Force theme, but it's all part of this track that's happening intercutting with the uh the preparations to depart. And, you know, it's all like the same mission, just different parts of it. Uh Bale's got his own part, the Rogue One crew's got their part to do. And we're all getting ready to go our separate ways to do what we need to do to to stop the Death Star and the Empire. So it's it's just a great, fun, exciting, and you know, pump up piece of music. So <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there's definitely a very pronounced like cadence and rhythm to the track. You know, to, to the point that the music feels like it's charging forward and it doesn't want to turn back. And that's really reflective of like the mindset of the world one crew right now. You know, they made this commitment to stealing these plans at any cost. There's no going back. And I, I think the music does a really good job, like helping to emphasize their, their unmoving determination and dedication to this cause. That's that's a, I love that that analysis, Jim. That's so true. It just it just moves forward. There is no going back, um, you know. And it, this particular piece of music was the first piece of Star Wars music I ever remember working out to and wanting to work out to because <laughs> it has that that driving force to it, um, you know. And in that opening, you know, as they're marching out, and you know, it pauses and goes into the Force theme again. Like I, I, I would almost say it's a similar re- rationales to what I mes- mentioned with Trust Goes Both Ways, right? That was about Jen embarking on her journey and into her journey in the Force. This is the whole crew. This is the Rogue One crew embarking on their journey into the Force and entrusting it to the Force and whatever that might mean. Um, you know, and as the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it continue to play here in a second, but, you know, it, it, it kind of ducks down as, as you know, um, Bodhi is, you know, kind of explaining who they are, what they're going to do. And once he declares, you know, who they are. This is Rogue One. We're going to get the music swelling so much again, you know, because these are our new heroes. You know, you've got this tension on the strings. Just explain it. There is no Rogue One. There is now. And here we go. <laughs> So good, you know. It just and what I love with the that theme there is as it builds, it kind of starts to, you know, the melody starts to 
be joined by other parts of the orchestra and it becomes like this uh um you know everything is being done in concert everything is being done in harmony because that's what's happening it's this group of people coming together and you know their individual songs become this orchestra becomes this chorus of music and i love how giacchino does that with this particular track the rogue one track continues to build and to build and to build itself um until it is this full orchestra on a mission and then the final kind of part of this track is that moment you mentioned, Jason, which is where we see Bale go and talk with Mon Mothma about connecting with Obi-Wan. And you can hear, so here it is, you know, it's a little bit more muted, but it's the same theme. It's the way I've always interpreted this moment is essentially that what the Rogue One crew has gone to do is now it's echoing into the Alliance itself, right? What they've just left to do is going to have an echo effect. It's going to have a ripple effect, if you will. They're the stone thrown into the water and the ripple of their their courage of just going out and doing what needs to be done is going to affect everybody else. And uh, Mon Mothma and Bale are well aware of that. So he's going to go connect with a Jedi and we're going to get the Force theme again. That's such a great track on the score. And, you know, as, as Bale goes to connect with his Jedi and says that he's got someone who will do it for him and that he trusts with his life. I I don't know the musical notes well enough to say that that's part of the Leia theme. I don't think it is directly, but I feel like it at least gives you that sense of musically. Again, Giacchino is hinting at he's talking about Leia, right? So, um, but yeah, this whole... This whole march, this relentless march forward, as you put it, Jim, which I just love, it's it's going to have a huge impact on the alliance as a whole. Oh, damn. yeah, and it, and I I really like how like we're saying like how how the music is almost like charging forward, but you even get that with the force theme, like when Jin says, "May the force be with us." It's a very pronounced and bold instance of the force theme, very different than what we are, we just discussed a few minutes ago. And I, I think this is like a really great job of, you know, helping to tell the story and explain Jen's motivations e- even more and adds to what we saw with her incredible speech to the, the council. You know, it just emphasizes that Jen has rediscovered and reaffirmed her faith in the force and her parents' legacy and humanity in general. And she has this, this new purpose and reason to live. So I, I like how unmoving that that instance of the force theme is and i also like how they bring the force theme into um when, to bale and mon's discussion too Be, one because it feels appropriate to use a force theme because they're talking about obi-wan they're talking about a jedi bringing like another factor of the force into the story and also what you were saying with the effects of the row one crew kind of echoing into the rest of the rebellion but it also feels like kind of like it's coming full circle. Like in in the beginning of the film, when you first see Bail Organa, the Force theme plays, and somebody who's like never seen Star Wars is probably thinking like, why is why is this like really 
prominent theme playing for this like random guy here. They're not even telling us who he is. And then you get the force theme again, though, in this instance. So it's like a hint, like, oh, this guy is like really important to the story. And then you get Leia at the very end where it's like, okay, I see how all these events are kind of strung together now. Mm. So I, I kind of like how Giacchino like pieces that in throughout the film. Yeah, yeah that's a great I, point. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, I, th- I think sometimes, like, with the Force thing, it's used so much in Star Wars, and I feel like sometimes we're, like, really forgiving of it with how much it's used. Like, it almost feels, like, kind of gratuitous at sometimes, maybe a little trite, but I I think there, there's a reason why they use it at certain points in, in this film, and use certain tones for it as well. And uh, I like how they can, how Giacchino was able to practice restraint while also, you know, still managing to put it in there in these important moments, especially even for the moment with, with bail, because I mean, this is a story that is trying to connect to a new hope and he is a piece of connective tissue to a new hope. So I think it is appropriate that they, that they use the force theme for him, but I like how it doesn't outshine, you know, Jin's use of the force theme, like that really bold pronounced instance of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so your next yeah. one, Carl. Yeah. Oh, see the, that Rogue One track. There's just so much good stuff to talk about there because it's so good. <laughs> it um, really is. Oh, I love it so much. It, it's um, hard not to get excited listening to that. So it was good that you played it right at the top. <laughs> set, <laughs> set the tone. Set the, the tone. We're gonna just march into this and 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 get to it. <laughs> Yeah, there's no turning back for us. We've committed to this. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, okay, the next the next piece I want to play is comes out of the track Jetta Arrival. So this is a little bit earlier in the movie, but um, this is something I remember talking about a long time ago when we first started talking about Rogue One. But I kind of call this the the mission theme or the spy theme that's attached to Cassian. Um, it's this really really uh, fun little thematic march um, that they play. Uh, when they show up on Jeddah, and we're gonna get, we'll hear it a few more times throughout the movie, but this is what it sounds like. I love this little piece of music. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I don't. I I would hesitate to call it Cassian's theme. I don't. I really don't think he gets one. Um, but this is more of like the mission theme, right? They've they've shown up on Jeddah now. They're they're spying on Jeddah City. They're watching the transports come and go. As uh, Cassian kind of explains to Jen what they're specifically here for, and it's just like this is the mission music, right? There's there there, there feels like a little bit of a spy element to it because they are kind of spying on things. Um, there's, you know, you've got that, like that snare drum that gives you like a militaristic type feel. Um, but this is our mission music, right? This is, uh, this is what's going to kind of move the plot forward, if you will. Um, and I just really enjoy it. And I remember saying this years ago when Rogue One was, you know, had just come out and the score had come out. This was, 
I I just doom 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 doom. I would hum that all the time when I was going to the bathroom. I know that's a little TMI, but like whenever I was like, I'd like walk into work to take. Wasn't a, what I was expecting you to say, but okay, like, we'll roll with it. Walk into yeah. the restroom at work to take. We're a committed to this. Yeah. Not move, not going back. So. <laughs> this, is, this is my favorite bathroom humming song. Um, we and, all have them, so yeah. It it just uh, I was on a mission when I went there, right? I had to relieve my right. bladder, so <laughs> no turning back. <laughs> There's no turning back. Oh man! Um, so yeah, I just I love this little piece of music, and we hear it a little bit later on. Uh, we don't hear it a ton in the movie, but a little bit later on when they show up on and they meet uh, right after Jen meets Chirrut for the first time, when Cassian kind of pulls her away and she's like, "You seem awfully tense." That music is playing in in the um in that moment, but it's, it's sped up a lot. It's like, dum, 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 dum. It's to me, it almost like it, it's Giacchino giving us how Cassian is feeling in the moment. He's really stressed out. Like this is a very anxious time because the empire is gunning for, um, for Bodhi who they're there to get. And they need to get Bodhi out before the empire gets to him. Um, so it's again, like that's why I kind of attach that music to Cassian because I feel like it, it kind of mimics where he's at emotionally. So when we hear it a little bit later and it's sped up a bit, it gives you like this sense of like, ugh, tremendous stress and anxiety um, as, as they really need to get moving on this mission and get Bodhi out of there before the emperor, the empire finds him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really well said. And I, I think just in general, just looking at our discussion now, it's really proving how much range the soundtrack has, how much diversity there is. Mm. I mean, we're looking at, at tracks like Stardust that are like very, very tranquil and, and intimate. And then we're looking at tracks like Rogue One that are like very pronounced and bold and like unmoving. And then we get, you know, this this theme that is like bringing those elements of like a spy undercover element to it so i think it's pretty incredible how much range there is in in this soundtrack and it's actually making me wonder if this uh this theme or this motif if it's going to be in the cassian show i i could see it being in that show you see it would seem appropriate given that it does have that spy feel and that show is going to be very like spy oriented yeah yeah, no, I I would not mind seeing it reprised in the Cassian Andor show as well. Uh, it was just Andor, sorry, right? Is that the yeah. official? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I like it because not only is it sort of like the the mission theme, uh, but it's also like freaking nervous heartbeat because God, this is stressful. You know, <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of like different kinds of tracks that give that feeling of like stress and anxiety. We'll, yeah. we'll probably talk about a few a little bit later. <laughs> true, true. But yeah, no, this is this is definitely I, I've, I would agree with you, Carl. This definitely is a piece of music from Cassian's perspective or at least focused on Cassian. Um, it's uh, it's a motif that's around his job. I won't say necessarily around him, but it's around what he's supposed to be doing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely would agree with you on that. It, it's not reflecting Jin at all in these scenes. It is reflecting Cassian um, and the the stress that he is feeling that he is under right now. So um, yeah, no, it's a it's a fun piece. Um, yeah, yeah, it's so easy to hum. I'm telling it you, is. go to the bathroom with it next time. It'll make for a more effective bathroom break. I promise. 
Take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the amount of in-depth analysis that you can get on this show is Mm -hmm. unparalleled. Top tier. (laughs) (laughs) So it keeps me coming back. (laughs) I'm telling you, next time you're in the bathroom, I know you're just going to do it. You're like, dum, 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 dum. Probably right. Um, so, <laughs> all right, Jim, Jim, save us. What What's another piece that you've got? <laughs> well, I, I just have one more, and uh, we're actually going to jump to the end of the film. Ooh. So, if you guys have anything that's before the end of the film, you know, maybe we want to uh, dive into that one. Sure, sure. Yeah. Jason, you got, you going to give us something else? Yeah, I'll give us something else. Um, this is we're going to skip right into the the heat of the moment, shall we say? The heat uh, of the moment. It's a song. Not that song, Carl. Oh, no. um, <laughs> but we're going to to go to the master switch. You know, Ooh. this is right smack dab in the middle of combat in one of the best acts in Star Wars. And you know, going with like what you said, Jim. Talk about stressful music, right? Already, like high stress, high stakes, desperate circumstances with this piece of music. Um, you know, this is this is where the tide turns against our heroes. Um, you know, in their their mission on Scarif. You know, this is where things start going wrong. Um, is when this music starts to play, and it's just it's relentless. It's inescapable. And it's not good, you know, for for our heroes. The the music itself is fantastic, but but the circumstances that are happening are not good. Um, you know, we've got the net closing in around Cassian and Jin as they're trying to escape up the tower with the plans. Uh, Bodhi is getting surrounded by troopers on the platform. Bays and Chirrut are you know pinned down. Um, with death troopers, uh, you know, by the master switch, it's just, uh, you know, and K two has been blasted to pieces. So it's just, it's not good. And they all start getting picked off one by one. And of course, it's during this track uh, when we lose Chirrut. Um, so towards the end of it, uh, after he activates the master switch, so which is still, God, my favorite moment of this entire movie, um, bar none. But yeah, I, it's it's one of those pieces of music that takes me to the scene instantly. You know, I, I, I cannot help but just watch the explosions on the beach in my head when I hear this piece of music, you know, that sort of thing. It, it just, 
it transports me into the film without any effort. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so very good and so very pivotal for what happens in the movie. Yeah, it really feels almost like uh, it gives a sense that everything's just breaking down. It's like you're on a, on a test run of a new roller coaster and you're halfway through it and you're like, oh, wow, this is actually going to break down. Like, <laughs> this is going to go off the tracks. That's what it kind of feels like. You know, that I mean, that's really how the whole third act feels like, because it's just like they're like hanging on to every little chance that they can they can get as Jin kind of says before they even land, you know, they'll just take the next chance and the next chance on and on until they win or the chances are spent. And I, I think this, like you said, Jason, this track does a really good job of really heightening that anxiety and all that suspense. I mean, this, this is really when the anxiety is like really peaked and yeah, it just, it does a really great job of that. And in star Wars, we're used to the heroes being able to, you know, pull things out at the last minute or at least get away, you know, and survive. That's not going to happen here. Yeah. It's, it's very different. I was not to interrupt, but I'm thinking like just a visual parallel between like Jin and Cassian climbing that tower in the data vault. And then you think in a new hope, like when Leia and Luke are, they, they're trying to get across the bridge in the death star, the death star escape. And you get like a really fun like energized instance of the star wars theme and it feels adventurous and it feels fun you're not getting that in this this sequence you you're getting like just pure anxiety <laughs> in the scene like are are they actually going to get this tape or what and and transmit it to the to the uh to the rebel alliance so yeah it does a really good job of that I love what you both are saying. That's great because I don't really have anything to add. Um, it really does, though. Like, I really like Jim how you how you did point out that there are points in the in the score in this movie that really elicit that sense of stress and anxiety as they're really coming under the gun. And this, to me, is the kind of the culmination of all of that towards the end of the movie. Because what's funny is in the, this final act when they show up on Scarif initially everything's kind of going as according to plan even when the fleet shows up right like Jin and Cassian share a smile like oh they're here they're you know we mobilized the the fleet um and then like you said Jason everything just changes when the death troopers show up and and things just start falling apart and you know David W Collins talked about when he when he did a, a show a while back about the Rogue One music specifically this track right that this Master Switch is essentially built off of DSRA, right? It is it is yeah. the approach of death, literally in the Death Troopers. And the moment that always hits me when I'm watching this music play out in the movie is when um, Melshi gets shot. He leans down to help one of his fallen comrades, and then he gets shot as well. And to me, it's just in that moment, the way the music builds, it's like there's nothing they can do now to prevent the inevitable. They are trapped by death itself. So what... All they can do at this point is delay the inevitable for as long as they can to get those plans sent out, right? It's 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 almost like their fate has now been sealed and the music is telling us that, that, that death has showed up at their doorstep. So hurry up and get those plans out before you die. Like, I mean, it's 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 really that grim if you think about it. Um, and I'm just going to I'm going to play that. Let the this track play out a little bit more because um, it finally like DS area finally blows out into its fullness as Krennic shows up and he's walking with the Death Troopers, right? Because it's like, all right, the Death Troopers are 
taking out the taking everybody out. Chirrut's already about to go out, um, and now they're actually going after them in the data vault. But even as Krennic shows up with these two death troopers, you're going to also get interrupted with a statement of the hope theme, right? As as Jin pulls the data file out and she says, I've got it. The hope theme swells. It's like death is all around them. Yet in the midst of that, Giacchino is telling us that there's still hope. So let me just play this a little bit more. I just noticed something as this was playing for whatever reason. It's probably because I have headphones on. Yeah, this is the nice thing about listening to music sometimes with headphones is you can hear all the little intricate intricate notes. I'm gonna back this up just for a second, see if we can really point this out. There is like this shrill sound as Krennic opens the door, right? So you just get the statement of the hope theme. They've got the plans. Finally, some some hope in the midst of all this death. And then you get this these shrill notes, uh, the like high strings playing these shrill notes as Krennic opens the door. It's like, uh oh, here's the villain who could make it all come crashing down right right around us. So I'm gonna back this up just a tiny bit. Here, right there, right there. Uh, it's like it's like it's meant to be chilling, like. Okay, they got him, but now what? Are they going to just get killed right after? <laughs> you know, it's it's so thrilling. And then as the track continues here, we're about to get into the moment with um, with Chirrut. That there's a choir that comes in right um, mm-hmm. as as Chirrut makes his way out there and the none of the blasts hit him you know he's he's thrown himself into this you know complete abandoned trust to the force and again the music is is following him as he goes out there and I love how the music almost ducks down a bit it gets quiet and serene it's almost as if it's from Chirrut's point of view even in the midst of this chaos and madness Chirrut just grounds himself, right? I love the way, you know, uh, he grabs his his staff with two hands and just grips it firmly and just steps out there. The music kind of elicits that sense of calm that he feels as he marches out there. And as he finally arrives at the master switch, the choir builds to this kind of crescendo. Again, kind of 
the way Giacchino used his choir at the end of this movie, to me, it's always a statement of look at how majestic this moment is. And, and Chirrut is, of course, the first one who really gets a good use of the choir. Um, is it's kind of like singing, lauding, and praising for his his deep faith. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's beautiful, and I'll have more to say about that. You know that particular theme later. Um, <laughs> As why? <will I. laughs> but I, yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely the moment that that gets me every time. So. Yeah, one thing, um, just looking at this, this track, like, as a whole, like, a, a, as one big piece, it, it does, because there are, like, so many different themes that are, like, kind of interwoven to it, it kind of gives you this sense that the music's, like, fighting with itself, like, the mm. themes are fighting with itself, it's constantly going back and forth, like, you get this, like, really heavy instance of the master switch, it's just, like, unrelenting, like, blow after blow after blow. And then the hope theme coming in saying like, oh, no, we, we still have a little bit left. Like, you're not getting the best of us. And then it starts to, like, overtake again. And then you get that that entire piece with, like, Chirrut's walk out to the master switch. It's almost like, you know, the fighter is, is like, on the ropes. He knows he's going to go down. But he's got, like, one more punch left in him. And he's going to throw it anyways. So it, it does kind of give that, that feeling, uh, at least for me. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, so I've got one more. Carl, how many do you have? Um, I've, I'm just going to play one quick thing because then I feel like Jim and I are going to want to talk about something similar. And I know you have something different. So yes. um, I just want to play a quick clip just because we've never I've never really brought this piece of music up on the show before. And I just think it's worth bringing up. It's a little bit earlier in the movie. It's the track Confrontation on Edu. Um, and I really like the music that plays as the Alliance fleet shows up. So let me pull that up for all of us real quick. It's just like this really cool march type music. And yet kind of going with our theme of the night for this music, it, there's a bit of stress to it. I really enjoyed this piece of music as you know, as the Alliance fighters show up and start bombing where Jin and Galen are obviously unknowingly. Um, it's just, it's a really different kind of March from star Wars music that we've had traditionally. And again, just thinking about this theme we've kind of been talking about for the, this whole, this whole show is this one of kind of anxiety and stress. You know, there's nothing triumphant about this, right? Like normally when you think of, um, ships showing up out of the blue in Star Wars. You think of, you know, the resistance fighters on Takadana or the clone troopers showing up at the Geonosis Arena, right? It's these kind of triumphant moments. That's not what's being broadcast through the music here. It's like, oh crap, we've got to, we've got to get our heroes out of there. They're in danger of our good guys. You know, it's like it, this music itself is kind of conflicted. This, this March music is, uh, again, there's just that strain of, anxiety to it and and peril that kind of faces our heroes who are exposed 
to these bombs. Um, so I just thought it was like a, it, I feel like it's just a really neat and different take on uh, uh, kind of like what should have been rescue music, right? They're not coming to the rescue. So, and that's stressful. Right. Well, it, he, uh, here's the fun thing about that piece, at least uh, to, to my ears, is that it's almost you know, kind of fighting itself because it is the rebels and they are bombing an Imperial installation. That's supposed to be good. That's supposed to be good. So we get sort of the textures and the instruments that are used with a lot of the, the other statements of like the rebel fanfare and things like that. And a lot of the phrasing is built around the rebel fanfare in this, but it's sort of fraught with danger and uncertainty uh, as the other instruments sort of like in a way, battle back and forth over that you know it, it's sort of a, a an interesting little juxtaposition and um you know sort of contest back and forth between like well this is supposed to be good because these they're good guys but oops you know <laughs> so yeah kind of tagging on to that it almost feels frantic or like sporadic yeah. In a way, because these these are often like really dangerous and like you said, Carl, perilous events that n- no one like in, none of the characters can really prepare for. It. They don't really have time to prepare for it because they have to act so quickly. So it makes sense that they get caught in these situations that are you know very perilous and, and, and frantic in a way where it's like, oh, we're in this situation. What do we do? We have to make a really quick decision right now. And I think the music that that instance of the music that you brought up, Carl, that that may, makes sense that they would use that song. Mm. Yeah. So, well, my friends, where are we going to finish this out? Um, I have a feeling that I know what both of you want to bring up. Jason, I'm guessing Guardians of the Wills, and Jim, your father would be proud. Yeah, that's right. All right. <laughs> well, I think Carl, you, you had your father would be proud on your list, right? Damn right. <laughs> we'll save that one for last then. Okay. Uh, Let's just go ahead and jump into Guardians of the Wills. Um, this Carl uh, has his, you know, his type of music that he loves in Star Wars, which is the slow pieces and the the more melodic pieces. Uh, you know, things like Yoda's theme. Well, this is my Yoda's theme. Uh, <laughs> so let's go ahead and just listen to this. This this piece has history. This piece has sorrow. This piece has hope. This piece has a story 
And that is why I love the theme for the Guardians of the Wills, because there is such a a resonance of of just uh, an ancientness to it, um, and and it uh, it feels so so knowledgeable and mystical and uh it just i love it so much it 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 speaks to my soul in a way that a lot of pieces don't i um i i am definitely the, the type who loves the uh action pieces more and uh you know that that's that's definitely not anything new for those of you who listen to the podcast this piece however um Every time I listen to it, I love it more. And uh, it's probably my favorite piece on this soundtrack now. So, which I never thought I would say. Um, considering we have, you know, Master Switch and Rogue One that I've already wanted to talk about. Um, but yeah, this is this is just... Uh, I can't help but feel everything that this piece has in it. And... Um, the, my favorite part of it is is towards the end when the choir builds and it finally just swells to its crescendo. I won't say it's a triumphant con- con- uh, crescendo because for all we know, the Guardians of the Wills ends in this movie with the death of Baze and Chirrut. We have no idea. So that order might be gone now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid uh, we get any more stories about the Guardians of the Wills. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so many great Wait. story elements introduced in Rogue One that Disney just seems to have forgotten about. Yeah. So yeah. just just a quick indictment there of their lack of storytelling of these great elements. Yeah, we we need them. We need them back. Just saying. Just saying. But oh, yeah, man. so much potential. So much. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm with you, Jason. Obviously, I love this piece of music because of the type of <laughs> song it is. Um, and it does have a very similar feeling as Yoda's theme. I, again, like I, it doesn't sound the same. It's, it doesn't even sound to be a lot of the same notes. But it has a very similar feel to Yoda's theme, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of got that tranquil music. It's, it's this sensibility that these are holy people in the universe of Star Wars. And, you know, it gives you that, that, that sense of serenity that really defines who the guardians are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm going to go ahead, Jim. Oh, I was just going to say, I think, you know, one thing it, it has is almost like a feeling of patience to it. Kind of getting to what we were saying about the Stardust track, how it isn't afraid to like take its time and it doesn't, doesn't stuff too much into it. And I, I feel like that does, this track does bring that feeling of patience and wisdom and experience as well. Which, I, I mean, that's pretty appropriate, I think, for all the virtues that Shirt embodies. So, yeah, I think it's very fitting for, for him at base. Yeah. And I'm going to let this play out just a little bit more because we're about to get, you know, like a very big and uh, exuberant choir element to this particular track.
I love how it goes back into the quietness, right, of the opening of the track. Um, and I don't know. I almost interpret the choir as if it's the choir itself is singing out the glory of what the Guardians once were, and mm-hmm. also mourning their loss. And and yet, as it kind of returns to that tranquil serenity of how the track opens. To me, it's almost like musically, um, and obviously we're playing the concert suite here. I mean, we never hear it quite like this in the movie. I don't think we ever hear that choir element at all in the movie. This is clearly. Mm-hmm. F- we the- might have it a little. We have a, a little bit when uh, Chirrut activates the master switch. Is that from the Guardians of the Wills? Yes. Okay. Well, that makes sense then. It's just a little bit. It's a brief statement. It's not a full statement of it, but it's just a brief section of it. Okay. Uh, but then it, it just gets taken away, you know, very quickly. Sure. So. <laughs> yeah. But I like how, you know, even even in their death throes, if you will, in, in this kind of dramatic middle, the the spirit of the Guardians might persist beyond beyond what's fallen apart, right? The, yeah. the reality that the core of what this group is, is it's this, this serene group of, of peaceful monks who care about the force, you know, and um, kind of returning to that part and how they close out the track, I think is quite brilliant. Yeah. It is an interesting track, uh, an interesting theme because it never seems to resolve. Mm. Yeah it doesn't have a, a resolution to it. It just sort of fades away. Um, you know, and there, you know, you always feel like there should be one closing note to kind of wrap the theme, but it never happens. Uh, and then it, it just sort of fades away at the very end. So it's, you know, it leaves it open-ended. Like, are they really gone? You know, who knows? Maybe the teachings will live on. So, I like to think they will. I I do too. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that, all that's right. Such a great piece of music. Absolutely. Um, well, let's let's take it home with your father would be proud, Jim. Yeah, let's do it. intimate strings right as as Jin and Cassian share this intimate moment together Jim, feel free to bring up what you want to start bringing up because this song also doesn't. It's really long. It takes its time. Yeah. So sequence. Um, But I I think I just find it to be incredibly emotional, you know, more specifically in that it, you know, makes me feel such a wide range of emotion, you know, from, you know, wonder and awe to sorrow and tragedy and even it admiration and inspiration and you know the the music is is such a big contributor to that but 
I, I think one thing you have to consider is that no one in the galaxy is ever truly going to understand what Jin and Cassian and the other rebels on Scarif had to sacrifice and what they had to go through on the beaches of Scarif because there were no survivors, at least on the ground from the battle. So to me, the music is saying that it's our job as the audience to be a witness of their sacrifices and that this is a special moment to acknowledge and behold and appreciate. And, you know, I, I talked a little bit with the Stardust track, how the, you know, the music doesn't get in the way of like the acting performances or the writing or, you know, anything like that, you know, it, it knows its place. And I, I also feel like the music knows its place here because Jin and Cassian have given their all to this mission and they don't need to explain themselves at this point. Like we've, we've seen what they've had to go through. We've seen the sacrifice they've had to make. They paid the ultimate price. So I think it is very appropriate how the music has such prominence in this, this scene. It makes no apologies for, for what it is. And I, I just think this is a perfect way to, and you know, not just Cassian's arc, but especially Jen's because this theme, your father would be proud plays two different times in the film. And the first is when Jen is holding Galen as he's dying in her arms on EU. And then the second is obviously here. So I think the music is just doing a really good job of showing how the story has come full circle for Jen. And she now has closure with her father. So it, it's an excellent piece. And, you know, this is probably my second favorite scene in Star Wars, you know, behind the, the Stardust scene. So, yeah, I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's such a, um, you know, we and we've talked about this in the past when we talk about this particular track is how different this track is from anything else in star Wars. Um, and I, I remember when I watched the movie that very first time, the, the two particular musical moments that really struck me is, wow, this doesn't feel like a normal star Wars musical moment was the master switch. Actually, like it felt very different. And then this as well, like it, this piece specifically reminds me of Michael Giacchino. Like this is a Michael Giacchino type of piece of music. Um, and I remember when he was announced as the, uh, um, you know, composer for the the track for the music here. I was really excited, um, and obviously he came in kind of last minute. But there's a he did the music for Star Trek, the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie, and I remember when I saw that movie the first time. There's a there's at the beginning of the film when um, Kirk's father essentially sacrifices himself that piece of music is just so beautiful. And we're only like 10 minutes into the movie with a character we've known for like a few minutes. And yet the music to me captured like the beauty of that moment. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of it real quick. It's this track here called labor of love from star Trek. Um, it's kind of got a little bit of that. Like your father would be proud feel to it. Again, it's just something very emotionally driven. Um, in a way that Star Wars usually isn't. Um, but yeah, like right here. I love this. Look at me playing Star Trek music on a Star Wars podcast.
feel kind of similar. You know, it's it's like oh, absolutely. This is like that was the piece of music from Star Trek that I was like, oh, I'm so glad this guy's doing Star Wars. He knows how to emotionally tell you stuff with his music. Um, so yeah, um, I just yeah, it's it's such a totally different type of piece of music that really the way you put it is so perfect, Jim. Like it really captures what these characters have been been doing you know the level of sacrifice they're making is something that most people are never going to know about but i love the way you put it jim we as an audience kind of get to to feed in on that um and a little bit later on in the track we're going to of course get an incredible use of choir again uh so i want to play a little bit of this real quick so good you know i mean the way he brings in the choir there again um it's just uh, you know like it to me it draws on that western cultural sense of it almost sounds like a church choir right there is something holy about this team of heroes you know what they've done they've they've paid the final price to to you know accomplish something incredible um, so you even have like, you know, the, the choir singing their praises and even drawing on like old Greek tragedies, right? Like the, the choir, that was kind of the point. They were the commentary on the action that we're, we're witnessing. And I just, I love the way he beautifully weaves in the choir here at this moment. Yeah. It's, it's stunning. Um, and what, while it's definitely noticeable, it is also uh, full of restraint too. It doesn't, take over the uh the music and what we're seeing on screen either so it's it's a beautiful balance of of tenderness of reverence of sorrow and triumph um sadness and joy it's all very tenderly and and intricately balanced and uh against each other in this beautiful piece um and no one element rises up and takes over the other. Uh, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's weird to say this, but this piece of music is almost a, you know, a science <laughs> in how it's assembled. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just, it, it's a, a beautiful track and, you know, it's just, like I said, it, it, it makes no apologies for what it is. And, um, yeah, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, I want to play one more highlight from the track a little bit later down in the track is um, we essentially get a statement of of the hope theme, but it's played very mournfully, um, kind of in those final moments for Jin and Cassian um, as, the, as the mushroom cloud approaches.
I just love the way the track kind of finishes itself out with this. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of the gin theme and the hope theme put together in this very mournful expression, um, but also a very beautiful expression, right? Especially with that choir crescendoing again, kind of just singing the goodness of what what these heroes have done um, to, to give light to a future they'll never see. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the most beautiful themes of this particular story. Um, and then you get those, that timpani drums going, dum, 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 right? Like as they're swallowed up and then you have this beautiful music that just kind of echoes out into the galaxy. And again, visually, you know, you see from space, like the glare of the light of the mushroom kind of going out into space. Like it's, what they've done, their lives may have come to an end, but what they've done is, is going to, again, have that ripple effect into the galaxy, just like when they marched off of Yavin 4 um, to start this mission. So, again, that, that music is just so beautiful the way it, it, it sings and recognizes and witnesses the triumphant sacrifice of, of not just Jin and Cassian, but the whole Rogue One crew. Yeah, you know, with the music, there is a sense of tragedy. But like you said, Carl, there's also beauty to be found in their sacrifices and inspiration. And, you know, in that moment, our heroes, they're not sad. They're not afraid. They're not angry. They're content. They're satisfied. They're at peace with what they've done and that they've given their all to, you know, give hope to others and and the rest of the galaxy. And and the music is is doing a really good job of, of... bringing that home yeah absolutely so i think that's a good place to wrap up that discussion <laughs> yeah i can't yeah, think of absolutely. a better place to wrap it up yeah so i, I <laughs> at the end of the film so <laughs> i mean i'll say where we're missing none none of us and i'm surprised by a little bit by you jason um uh, you didn't mention anything about Krennic's theme, but that's the. I, I feel mean, like that's I, the only. I figure we had to give Krennic's theme a shout out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we got it least... for our, our friend Ben. Yeah, what I was going to bring up if nobody brought up, uh, if somebody else had brought up uh, Master Switch, I was going to bring up the the Imperial Suite, uh, which of course has the Imperial theme and Krennic theme in it. So. Yeah. Right, it's great. It's it's very. Dis- I will say it's very distinct. And once you hear those first couple notes of it, you know what it is, and you know Krennic is not too far away. Right. Well, it's got that mushroom, that mustache twirling villain villainous scene to it. You know? Yeah, the Krennic theme is it's a really cool villain theme. Um, yeah. and it yeah, every time it's like do 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 it just I just feel like he's the mus- the mustache twirling villain. Kind of on kind of akin to Grievous, what Grievous was supposed to be in Revenge of the Sith. Um yeah. so yeah, I mean the Krennic theme is it's a really great uh new theme that Giacchino gives us and it feels very in in step with imperial marches and stuff, you know, it's, but it's very much its own thing. Yeah. It, oh, it, it's, it's, I was going to say that about this piece is that it, it's, it's a unique 
piece. It's a it's a different piece that separated it out from the rest of the, you know, imperial type music that we get, the imperial march, and then the fanfare from A New Hope that gets uh, played several times um, throughout Solo and a little bit in Rogue One. Um, but then we also have this with which just like completely uh, expands the the soundscape the the musical soundscape of what the empire sounds like it doesn't you know it's not like its own separate thing uh it's unique but it expands the the tone of what we get with the empire um because it it just goes with the rest of it (laughs) it doesn't match it goes (laughs) yeah and, and the theme doesn't hold itself back you know it's almost saying like hey look at me and that that's kind of embedded into Krennic's personality because I mean let's be real that guy works hard you know he's a he's a big part and get that Death Star up and operational he wants some recognition and he's not getting it and that's why he wears such a huge cape yeah he's saying like hello are you seeing all this hard work I'm putting in come on I'm like the everyday man Tarkin's (laughs) like stealing all my thunder so I think that's what the music's also kind of doing too which I really like yeah, I mean, I love Krennic. He, he's my favorite. I like to say he's my favorite antagonist. Villain seems a little harsh because I, I don't see him as a villain the same way as like some of the other villains, like Tarkin is, who's just like pure evil. Yeah, because because Krennic, you know, there, there's like a good side to him. You know, he's just he's doing his job. You know, he's just trying to climb up that corporate ladder and you know, <laughs> do a good job and. Get, get that project running. <laughs> <laughs> when has become yeah. now, Director Critic. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah. No, that's 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 perfect, Jim. I mean, um, it's good that we get to. We wanted to give that 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 theme a little quick shout out because yeah. it is it is very good, and I like the way you put it, Jim. That it is kind of the "Hey, look at me" theme. <laughs> It, that's so yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, because that's all Krennic wants. He wants to be recognized. Damn it! You know. <laughs> Just you'll, you'll tell the emperor, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> in my giant spotless white cape. See, it flows. Going going around his boss's back and going straight to Vader. I mean, that's a bold move, man. You got to yeah. give him props. Got to give him props. Just don't choke on your aspirations, director. <laughs> and he's unfazed. He's just like, I got this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he. I just, yeah, I, I just really love. We're the way getting he, away from the music now, but no. <laughs> but that's I mean, but that's really the right. That's the point of the music is that it really, you know, it really elevates, um, who these characters are, um, and yeah, uh, no, I, lo- I love it. Go effective immediately. <laughs> we stand here amidst my achievement. Not yours. I'm afraid the recent security. I had to play that for my friend Ben. So. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's such a great Absolutely scene. wonderful. Yeah, I love it. Um, ben, ben was supposed to be here tonight, but he wasn't was. able to make it. So yes. we we have to throw him a shout out with with Krennic. Uh, His spirit lives a, on. Yes, he <laughs> he had a fantastic Krennic costume at Celebration in Chicago. Right? Oh wait, hold on. No. 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 <laughs> no, he, he does. He does have one, but he's never he's never worn it to a convention. Oh, I might I might have just seen a picture of it then. 
I think he does yeah, have he, one. He does have one, and he has posted pictures of it before, but he's not worn mm. it to a con. But okay. Yeah. But anyway, I, I've just seen pictures of that. But yeah, anyways, it's a fantastic yes. costume. Yeah. Um, yeah. For so, a fantastic character. Right. Yes. So, um, yeah. So there, there you go. There are some of our just general thoughts, kind of bopping around the Rogue One score. I mean, again, there's so much stuff we didn't even touch on tonight. Um, that we could have, um, but we just kind of wanted to hit some of the highlights uh, specifically. Um, so, and that said, Jason, we do have a poll for next week's episode, do we not? We do. Um, so next week, we just want to know um, what your favorite track from the round that uh, the Rogue One score is. Um, so yeah, we we've said uh, a lot about some of our favorites, but we want to know what your favorite is. So be sure to let us know uh, all about that. And uh, Carl, yeah, where can people do that? Um, of course, you're going to be able to send us those thoughts over on Twitter um, at at Wampas Lair. You can find us on Instagram at the underscore Wampas Lair. You can always find us on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast, and you can email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Um, Jim, if folks want to hear your thoughts on all things Rogue One or The Last of Us, because I know that's your current jam, uh, where can folks interact with you? <laughs> that is true. If people want to uh, you know, talk with me uh, on Twitter, whether it's about you know Star Wars, Rogue One, or like Carl said, The Last of Us. I'm kind of obsessed with that, but... Uh, reach out to me at Jim or so, you know, always love to chat. So, um, you know, thanks guys for having me on tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure talking about the soundtrack of this awesome film that obviously I adore. So pleasure is all mine. Oh, no, it, it was awesome. I just, the insight you bring to talking any element of Rogue One is just brilliant. So thank you for, for sharing that with us once again for the, for the show. Absolutely. All right, Carl, anything else before we close down this episode? No, Jason, when has become now. All right. I won with the Force, and the Force is with me, and we are going to close out this episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 424 of the Wampas Lair podcast, Rogue One Score. For Carl and Jim, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. Wampas Lair.